uh, were born. I'm not even sure Tori was born then. Uh, and uh, I was in New Mexico, and Nikki and I and two friends, we said, hey, we're in New Mexico. We should go to California for the weekend. <laughs> so we hopped in the old Intrepid, and we headed to San Diego. And we drove all day. It was 12 hours. We camped uh, in San Diego. We went to the beach all the next day. We camped one more night. We got back in the car, and we drove home. And on the way back, my life was forever changed. We were in Arizona, and we stopped at this Wendy's. And one of the guys that was with us, the only guy other than me that was with us, his name was Paul Clark. And Paul Clark was from Henderson, Texas. And as we sit down to eat at this Wendy's, Paul does something revolutionary. He takes his french fries and he puts them in his Frosty. Now you all are like, well, duh. Okay, you got to realize this was like almost two decades ago. This was revolutionary. And the sweet union of the cold chocolate, there weren't even vanilla Frosties at the time, the cold chocolate Frosty, which I'm not sure why you even buy a vanilla Frosty. You should repent if you do. And it was the hot fry and the cold chocolate Frosty, and it was like, I'm done. Like, I could just be done right now. You know, there's actually this uh, scientific explanation for why salty and sweet things go so well together. And on every one of your taste buds, there's approximately 50 receptors, and they're all looking for their own specific flavor, salty, sweet, that sort of thing. And so tonight, we have a bit of a salty and sweet mix. We are in um, 2 Samuel, okay, new book, new month. I believe it's page 254. There's no 254 number, but it is page 254. And we're starting a new chapter of David's life and of the Bible, so that's kind of cool. For those of you who that missed out on Halloween... Um, you missed a good one. Not going to lie, you really missed a good one. Uh, there was candy. Good times. There was deer guts, gut piles, Von Hansen's fingers. Yes? You have a question? Was that right? Page 254? Okay, good. Okay, so here we go. Saul is dead. Those of you who weren't here for Halloween, you missed that. Saul has died. And now we get, David hasn't heard of it yet, but here comes the news. Uh, after, the after the death of Saul, when David had returned from striking down the Amalekites, David remained two days in Ziklag. And on the third day, behold, a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Verse 3, David says to him, where did you come from? And he said to him, I have escaped from the camp, the camp of Israel. And David said to him, how did, you, how did it go? Tell me. The people fled from the battle, and also many of the people have fallen and are dead. And Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. Then David said to the young man, who told him? How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? And the young man who told him said, by chance 
I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear, and behold, the chariots and the horsemen were close upon him. And when he looked up behind him, he saw me and called to me, and I answered, Here I am. And he said to me, Who are you? I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me, Stand beside me and kill me, for anguish has seized me, and yet my life still lingers. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on his arm, and I have brought, him, brought them here to my Lord. So remember, Saul goes to the medium. He's told, basically, you're going to die. He goes into battle, and he's killed. But we get the rest of the story here, and we get this, actually, the person who kills Saul admits that he killed Saul. So what I want us to look at, though, real quick, you don't, have to, you don't have to flip there, is there's this interesting thing going on, and maybe Abby talked about it at the beginning, maybe she didn't, but First and Second Chronicles are not a mirror image of what's going on in First and Second Samuel, but there's a significant overlap. And so there's instances that First uh, and Second Samuel don't necessarily address or First and Second Chronicles doesn't address. But I want us to look at and hear what First Chronicles has to say about the death of Saul. We're chapter 10, for those of you taking notes, uh, verse 13. says, So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium, seeking guidance. He did not seek God's guidance, or he did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. So we have this interesting thing going on where the writer of 1 Chronicles is saying not necessarily exactly who killed Saul. He's saying the reason why Saul is dead is because God killed Saul because Saul was disobedient to God. And that's important because we see this sweet and salty, we see this obedience of David, this listening of David to the things that God is trying to tell him, and this non-listening uh, of Saul and these other people that we'll get to. But as we look at this instance in First, Second uh, Samuel chapter 1, we get to see how David responds to the loss of somebody significant in his life. So David took hold of his clothes and he tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David is absolutely devastated. He's devastated by the death of Saul who was like this father figure to him. And you say, well, why is he so upset? Like Saul was after him. Saul tried to kill him. And we've kind of rehashed it and rehashed it, but the point is that David loved Saul, and he loved Jonathan, and now he has lost this person who is so significant to him. He is extremely upset, and they've lost many of their friends. Now, when somebody dies that's close to us, we have a wide variety of emotions that come with it. So when 
my grandma died, my mom's mom, when she died. She was really the first person that I knew that was close to me that died. But I didn't even really know her that well. And so there wasn't really much emotion involved with it. But when my dad's mom, my, grandma, my dad's mom, who's my grandma, when she died, I had known her for a significant amount of time longer, and it was extremely hard. And for David, he experiences this loss of not only this man who was like a father to him, but his best friend. And so he goes through this weeping and this mourning uh, period. And that's a good thing. Because when we experience loss, and you're like, yeah, this is a real bummer. It's kind of a downer of a Wednesday night. I thought we were going to have fun. Well, sometimes we've got to talk about these things. When we experience these things, like the loss of those who are very close to us, it is not only good, but it's appropriate for us to go through this mourning process. But David responds in a particularly aggressive way. So David says to the young man who told him, where do you come from? And he, sent, he answered, I am the son of an, a sojourner and a Malachite. Remember, Malachites, bad, not good people. As we just read, they are people that David has already been killing. David said to him, how is it that you are not afraid to put your own hand to the to destroy the Lord's anointed. Then David called one of the young men and said, go execute him. And he struck him down so that he died. And David said to him, your blood be on your head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. So even in the heat of the battle, even when Saul is asking this person to take his life, to end his life, the person that goes through with it thinks he's doing this great thing and he ends up getting killed. So David laments his lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son, and he said, it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jeshur. And so he writes this thing called a lamentation. Now, what is a lamentation? A lamentation is a crying out to God, expressing frustration and emotion and all of these different things. And it is a great way for David to heal and to go through his grief. Because if you lose somebody that's close to you, you should go through this process. And he writes down this tribute to them. He says, Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of Phil the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, no fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty has defiled the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. And then he says, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely. In life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of a woman. 
how the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war have perished. Now we can't miss this fact that David has been pursued by Saul and pursued by Saul time and time and time and time again. And yet David continues to acknowledge and recognize who Saul is and the importance of him in his life. And he gives this glowing report of Saul. And he even, remember when Jonathan was trying to kill David, or I mean, Saul was trying to kill David and and Jonathan and David were in this kind of uh, group thing together. They were taking care of each other and he was shooting the arrows and all that. And David points out the fact that Jonathan always stayed true to his father. But we look at this relationship that Jonathan has with David and David has with Jonathan, and he says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. So, you know, last week we did a bunch of deer hunting. And uh, weird things happen when you're deer hunting. So I'm sitting up in the stand, pitch black, dark, and I'm looking out, and I'm like, oh, there's a deer right there. I'm like, sweet. Looking at the clock, looking at the deer, looking at, I'm like, just stay there. You're fine. Just stay there. Looking at the clock. Is it time to shoot? Is it time to shoot? Is it time to shoot? I'm like, it's time to shoot. Check. Confirm. Look through the scope, because now it's just light enough that I can see through the scope. Heart's racing. Look through the scope. Uh, it's a log. <laughs> I was dead set that it was, in fact, a deer laying down, and I was being so quiet and stealthy that it was not disrupted. And, in fact, it was just a log. See, because when we look at the life of David and Jonathan and their relationship that they have with one another, and then we read a verse like this, it's very easy for us to look at this verse and see something that isn't there. Because the relationship that David and Jonathan have, well, it is unlike any other relationship that David has. Now, we know, and we've been talking about the fact that David has at this point, multiple wives, and he's going to have even more wives. But the friendship that he has with Jonathan is one that surpasses any other relationship that he has in his life. And we see the importance of having a person in your life who is of the same gender so that you can confide in them, you can trust in them, they can trust in you, and you can share in things, and you you can have this relationship where you strengthen each other and you're like, God, this sounds a lot like your sermon from two weeks ago. You would be correct. I didn't pick these verses. But again, it's reiterating the importance of having a person, a friend, and a friend who is as committed to you as you are to them and who is committed to Jesus Christ. So I have uh, one of those people in my life. His name is TJ. His real name is TJ, but I've called him Jimmy for the last 20 years. You say, why do you call him Jimmy? I have absolutely no idea. 
He calls me Clifford, I call him Jimmy, his name is TJ, my name is Eric. Go figure. But TJ and I have confided in one another. We don't even live in the same area. But he and I built a relationship when we were in college. We played football together, and we worked out together. We learned about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus as we grew into our teens and our 20s. And he is a person that I could call right now, and he knows everything about me. Because those relationships are of utmost importance. And the challenge that we see now with David's life is he just lost his best friend. His best friend is now dead. He is mourning. And we're going to see this instance where how is David going to respond to this news? Because what does it mean that Saul is dead? David is king. It's like, you know, you take the salty fries and you dip them in the frosty and you've got this salty experience, the loss of these two people that are very close to you and the, also the knowledge that you are about to be king of Israel. So David, after this, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up into the cities of Judah? Well, remember this instance of communication where David is consulting God on what he should do, and God is responding. Because in a little bit here, there's going to be another instance where somebody doesn't consult God, and um, spoiler alert, they get killed. <laughs> what? Let's try that again. So um, David listens to God and is blessed, and somebody else listens to God, or doesn't listen to God, and is killed. That was better. So the Lord says to him, go up. David said, to which shall I go up? And he said, to Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinaman of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel, and David brought up his men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. What's going on with the mic, the sound? Should I go back? I'm talking too loud. I don't think I'm talking too loud. And David brought his men who were with him, everyone with his household, and they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the men of Judah came, and they, there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. When they told David it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who buried Saul, David sent messengers to them, to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, and said to them, May you be blessed by the Lord, because you showed loyalty to Saul, your Lord, and buried him. Now may the Lord, Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you, and I will do good to you, because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hands be strong and be valiant, for Saul, your Lord, is dead and the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. Now, what we have to realize is at this point, okay, the house of Judah is not all of Israel, because as we're going to see here in a second, there's going to be another king within the nation of Israel, and so David is uh, the king over a portion of Israel, because some people don't recognize his uh, kingship. Now, Abner, 
Abner's an interesting character. Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ish-bosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim, and he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites and Jezreel and Ephraim and Benjamin and all Israel, except for Judah, the southern area. Ishbosheth, don't you wish your name was Ishbosheth? I mean, what would you go by? Would you go by Ish? Would you go by Bo? Maybe you just go by Seth. Are there any Seths in here? I was going to say, maybe your real name is actually Ishbosheth, and you're kind of hiding it. It's fine. <coughs> so Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. But the house of Judah followed David, and the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Now, what we're going to start to see, okay, is things are going to go a little bit crazy here. Because Saul's son is elected or pushed forward to the kingship over the large majority of Israel. David, the true anointed one, is given a smaller piece of Israel. And amidst the chaos of this, we're going to see uh, a lot of fighting and some really bad things start to happen. And if we were in First and Second Kings, like the adults are, that's just chaos. It's like bad king, bad king, king killing king, all of this stuff. So Abner, okay, this guy, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of uh, Saul, went from Mahanaim to Gibeon, and Joab, the son of Zariah, and the servants of David, went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. So check this out. Back when I was in wrestling in high school, we would do this I send, you send type of thing. So basically, we're going to take you guys over here, and you're going to line up against that wall, and we're going to take you guys, and we're going to line you up against that wall. And then we're going to select a uh, captain. Yeah, they're, they're ready. Okay, so do you guys want to be um, the Ishbosheth? You want to be the Ishbosheth side? Okay, so you guys will be the David side. Okay, so you guys will be the, the Abner side, and you guys will be the Joab side. Okay? <laughs> so what goes down is they've got these 12 guys, and they've got 12 guys, and they have a little showdown. And they come to the middle... And they just have like a mano e mano knife fight. <laughs> and Abner said to Joab, okay, so Abner, <laughs> you guys are like, why are we Abner? Says to Joab, let the young men arise and compete before us. And Joab said, let them arise. And they arose and passed over by number, 12 for Benjamin and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. And twelve for the servants of David. And each caught his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side, so they fell down together. Therefore the place was called Helkath Hazarim, which is at Gibeon. And the battle was very fierce that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. I mean, as if no one saw that coming. David's guys are winning, you guys are losing. 
So check this out. There were th and the three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab, Ab Abishai, and Asahel. Now Asahel was as swift as foot as a wild gazelle. Basically the fastest guy there. And Asahel pursued Abner as he went. He turned neither to the right hand nor to the left from following Abner. So Asahel's like, all right, we're going to finish this off right now. So he gets something in his mind where he is going to pursue Abner and take Abner out. Now remember when we started chapter 2, what does David do? David says, God, what should I do? And God says, go up. Now Asahel is like, I'm not asking God, I'm going for it. You ever been there? You're like, I'm going after something, and I don't care if God's with me or not. I'm just going to go after it. Because it, we know if we would ask God, he'd be like, um, yeah, probably shouldn't do that. You know the instance where, okay, so for example, um, we had this babysitter at our house one time. And... Uh, we didn't have a very big house, but one of the best features of the house was we had a laundry chute that went from the, the only bathroom in the house down into the laundry room. Have I told you guys this story before? Which was brilliant, okay, because you take a shower, you take your dirty clothes, and you throw them in the laundry chute, and it goes down into the laundry basket, which is right next to the washer and dryer. And my... Uh, my oldest brother and I, we lock ourselves in the bathroom. We fortify ourselves. And uh, my middle brother and our babysitter, who happened to be um, the one and only male babysitter we ever had, you'll know why after the story, they decide that they need to invade our fortified area. What they didn't um, a credit for was the cleaning supplies were in the bathroom. So if someone is trying to invade your area from a lower position, you hold all the cards. So we're dumping Clorox, 409. It was mass chaos. And did I mention it was all going on top of the laundry? Now, had we said... Um, Mom, so we're half this idea, and we want to have a chemical fight in the laundry chute. Um, I'm sure she probably would have said no. We didn't ask Mom. And after all, we had the babysitter in on it, so it must have been fine. So Asahel is like, I'm not going to consult anyone. I'm going after Abner. I'm super fast. I can take this guy out, and we're going to win this thing. The only problem is, as he's pursuing Abner, Abner's like, dude, you don't want to mess with me. Really, you don't want to mess with me. And Asahel's like, I'm coming for you. And he just does one of these, whoop, and kills him. Just like that. He's like, I told you, I warned you, you should have listened. 
So Joab, um, then Abner called to Joab, shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that the end will be bitter? How long will it be before you tell your people to turn from the pursuit of their brothers? And Joab said, as God lives, if you have not spoken, surely the men would not have given up the pursuit of their brothers until the morning. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the men stopped and pursued Israel no more, nor did they fight any more. And Abner and his men went all that night through the Arabah. They crossed the Jordan, marching the whole morning. They came to Mahanaim. Joab returned from the pursuit of Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing from David's servants 19 besides Asahel. So at the pool, 12 died, so seven more. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin 360 of Abner's men. And they took up Asahel and buried him in the tomb of his father, which was at Bethlehem. And Joab and his men marched all night, and the day broke upon them at Hebron. So we have this kind of salty, sweet, obedient, disobedient thing going on here. Where if he would have just listened to what God would have instructed, he wouldn't have had to die. David is experiencing the joy of becoming king, and at the same time he's dealing with the grief of having lost not only his king, but someone who is extremely close to him and his best friend. And we sit at this interesting crux where as we go forward in David's life, lots of people are going to die. David is going to make some good decisions, but he's also going to make some very bad decisions. But at the beginning of this chapter, he's in a good place. He's asking God what to do. He's responding to what God is telling him to do. And we'll just have to see what happens next. Yep, in two weeks. So he, hear me now and believe me later. Next Tuesday is a pie service. Please, gentlemen, do we need to have a little showdown? I don't think you want a showdown with me. Next Tuesday, you guys are all welcome to come to the uh, Thanksgiving service. Bring your parents, bring your friends. It's in there. Starts at starts at six thirty. Okay. See, it used to be seven. Um, so it starts at six thirty. Let's pray, and then we're going to go to our groups. Gentlemen. You do not want to experience my wrath. Exactly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the, the words that you have given us in Second Samuel. And it's exciting as we turn the page on a new chapter in your, your book and as we look at the life of David in such a crucial moment where he loses people that are so close to him, and yet he gains the kingship. And we just pray tonight as we look at the discussion questions that revolve around this chapter that you would be with our time and be with our groups as we experience 
the salty and sweet things of this world and our relationship with you. I just pray that you would be bringing a J- David or a Jonathan into each one of our lives that we can enjoy the friendship and the companionship with, that we can learn about you and from you through that relationship. Be with our time tonight and be with the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen.